Hey, it's Tony from Adafruit, and this will be the start of what should hopefully be a pretty fun project. So I want to revisit something that I built long ago, actually almost three years ago, and it's a cat laser toy. So basically like a laser pointer that you can control with a Raspberry Pi, but with a web interface so that you'll see a stream of video and you can click different points in the video. Uh, like, you know, if you're looking at a room, you could click your mouse and say, okay, point the laser here, and it'll point the laser there. So you can play with your cat virtually, basically. Uh, and I mentioned that this is an old project because I actually made a version of this uh, about three years ago and showed it on the Adafruit Show and Tell show. It was actually the second time I'd ever been on Show and Tell uh, that I showed the, this project. And at the time, uh, it was pretty straightforward. I built it as just something that more of a proof of concept to you know, show that, yeah, you can build this. It wasn't like a really polished thing. Uh, but that's what I'm hoping to do in this stream is maybe make, uh, the, uh, you know, revisit this project because a lot of things have changed since then. Uh, a lot of things are simpler. Like I kind of just hacked together some things and there's some nice components I'll show you that can help out with a project like this. Uh, but I also wanted to just kind of do this as a project that I'm going to split up into a bunch of parts and it's going to cross a couple boundaries. So there's going to be the hardware aspect to it, um, which is pretty similar to what I had originally with the project. And you'll see, you know, it's like some servos and some laser diodes and things like that. Uh, but then there's also going to be a software and a cloud component to it because I want to do this project so that anyone can use the laser. So I could open it up to the internet and, you know, have like a hundred people hitting this web page, and they'll have to be like a queue system that puts people in line to, you know, get a few minutes to play with the laser toy or whatever. Uh, so I wanted to kind of explore that and see, you know, how would I build a real application in the sense of something that people could actually use uh, and, you know, have just non-trivial amounts of load against it. Uh, something that's not just me with a Raspberry Pi in my home, but me with a Raspberry Pi that's open to people from all outside. Uh, so just to start with though, let's go back and I'll, I'll roll a clip. I've got a clip from that show and tell. This was from September 7th, 2013. So almost three years ago. Uh, and we'll take a look at this. This is when I showed off the project. Uh, it was the Cat Laser Toy V1. So here we go. We will uh, cut to it right now. So there we're going to speed these up a little bit because yeah. we've got a lot of awesome projects. We've got a lot of people. All right, it's going to be Tony next. Tony, unmute your mic and show us your project. Hey, yeah. Um, so I've got actually something that's also cat-related. Uh, and I'll go through this real quickly. So I made a, a cat toy that's internet-controlled. Uh, <laughs> let me show it to you over here. So basically, I've got... Uh, this is a... You can see basically a camera right here. Uh, just a simple IP camera uh, you know, that's wireless. Uh, and right here are a couple servos, uh, two servos that are just mounted at 90 degrees and a laser diode on top of it. So I control uh, the movement of the laser. Uh, and it's all just hooked up to a uh, Raspberry Pi uh, and just the Adafruit servo controller here. Uh, and so it's pointing down at the floor over here and I've just kind of mapped out an area uh, that it'll aim at. And so let me switch to uh, a web app that it's running Is real quick. Is that a cat in a box? Like is that a live cat? <laughs> yeah, that's totally her. Uh, we'll see if we can get it to play in a second. <laughs> Okay, it's gonna hang it out there. <laughs> All right, wow. so this is... wow, you have like an app. <laughs> so this is basically, uh, you know, just showing video from the webcam there. Uh, let me turn the laser on. Uh, and so as, if work I... and you want to like play with your, you want to have a cat video, but it wants to be your cat. Exactly. Yeah, this could be like a internet control. Yeah, I see the dot. I see the dot. Okay. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Oh, I see. Oh, it's play. like little space invaders. Looking. Ooh. Yeah. Her um, yeah, missile totally. command. So you can move it around. So let's see. I'll throw the cat down, and we'll see if... Uh... Shake, shake the cat. 
Poor cat. He's like, I'm really enjoying this box. Why? What's going on? Why? Okay. okay. Place the cat. Okay, beta cat. All right, Let's see. Ready. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think she knows this. Is. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> this is surprising. You could charge for this. This is this is a pretty good game. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty cool. awesome. Your cat's a little lazy, but I, that's yeah. Okay. Well, the cat just woke up, so yeah, your, your, your cat. cat. Your cat. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. <laughs> All right, this has to be a this first. Is, this is definitely either cruel or awesome. I can't, I can't quite tell. E excellent, <laughs> excellent project, Tony. This is this is great. This, um, is, actually, this is actually a fun project. I want to see if we can we can duplicate this project because this I, we have a cat too, and I want to sometimes maybe torture yeah. a cat remotely. Are you gonna? Um, yeah, uh, I'll, be send able to... you, I'll send you the details. It's a little rough right now. Um, the aiming's not perfect. You know, it's a little hacked together, but. I'll put it on GitHub and uh, send a link over. It's just All pretty right. simple. Phil just took off his visor because he's like, I'm going to build this for this code. <laughs> Very cool. All, all the known cat owners. Okay, thank you. That was an awesome demo. All right. Next up. All right. Hopefully we're back. And uh, wow, <laughs> a lot has changed since then. So it looked a little different these days. Uh, but anyways, the project is pretty much the, you know, the same as, as what I had originally. So I want to have a laser that's controlled with two axes, uh, so up, down, left, right, and have a web page that has video so I can use like the Pi camera and a video stream from there. And then uh, the way I had originally created, it's just some JavaScript where it's finding you know, where you click the mouse on the video and then uh, using that to figure out how it should move the servos to roughly aim. I never did get the aiming to be like 100% precise because uh, there's a really weird transform that I think you have to do to, you know, figure out like the optics of the camera versus, you know, the orientation of the room. So I just did linear interpolation, you know, my favorite thing in the world, uh, and, and just kind of made it work, which it, it was good enough for that. Uh, so, okay, let's jump uh, in real quick and I'll show you real fast just a few things on uh, the bench and kind of the web browser here. Uh, so, okay, so this is actually the original guide that I did. So maybe a few weeks after I, I showed it on Show and Tell, I, I ended up doing a guide for it. Uh, and I'll put a link in the description below when this goes up on YouTube so you can go and see it. And you can actually see a little bit more about the project here. So, you know, I basically had two servos, two little micro servos right here, and I hot glued them together. It wasn't anything fancy. Uh, this was a laser diode that I salvaged out of, I think, a cat laser toy or something. Uh, and so I just hot glued that again to the, the servo, but you can see how one servo right here and there This is inside of a vice. So the vice is just holding it uh, So one servo can rotate, you know, the other top servo there and then the top servo can rotate the laser diode up and down So a little 90 degree angle there and it worked well because you know It was just aiming down at the floor where and you can see over here on the left. This is a little Wi-Fi IP camera uh, kind of like you would use for home security, that type of stuff. Uh, I think drop cam and those things are what people use these days. Uh, and so I was using this because it gave a nice little MJPEG or motion JPEG video stream. Uh, because at the time, I think, I think the Pi camera was out, but I, I don't think I had a Pi camera yet. You know, this was uh, 2013, so it was a little while ago. Uh, so actually, you know, getting the video stream from the, the Pi uh, was not something I was really worried about. But anyway, so I had the yeah, little Wi-Fi camera, and that's what the web page was showing. It was showing that, and then overlaid on top, uh, it was uh, you know having the whole like aiming interface and things. And let's see, I think I probably have more pictures in here of what the setup looked like. Let's see. So yeah, so you can see the servos here. Uh, 
to control the servos, I was, I was using this little servo board, which uh, I'll mention this again. I'll put links in the description that, that show all this. Uh, but this is the PCA9685. Uh, it's a little PWM controller. So you get like 16 channels of pulse width modulation output. So it's great for driving servos or even like dimming LEDs or things like that. Uh, really nice. You can hook up like a power supply to it uh, that's isolated from the Raspberry Pi. Or maybe not isolated, but at least it's uh, different from the Raspberry Pi. Uh, so, okay, so that's, you know, the hardware so that the servo controller controlled the two servos, uh, the camera showed the video, the Pi ran a little Python web application. Um, I think it was Python. Yeah, it was Python that I used for this. Uh, and so I mentioned how to install it here. And then you had to do this little kind of calibration step that I think I showed here where uh, the web application will show, you know, here is like the uh, field of play. Uh, and this is the video image. And then you kind of have to, it gave you manual controls where you could just manually move each of the servo axes. And then you'd start this calibration process where if I remember correctly, you would have to move, um, I guess, oh, I, I did a video of it apparently. Um, but I, if I remember correctly, you would move, uh, it would circle one of the corner corners of this play area, like this corner or that corner. And then you would adjust the servo axes until it moved the laser right into that little spot. And then you would click next and it would move you to, you know, move to the next point and then you'd adjust the servos so that it's pointing there. And it would remember the positions of the servos so that when you click inside of this box, it would just interpolate and figure out, okay, you know, if you click right in the center, then you're probably 50% of the way, you know, between the limits of the X axis and 50% of the way between the limits of the Y axis. And again, this isn't perfect because like the camera is actually distorting the world based on the field of view. And so there's, you know, these are not straight lines out here, but it worked well enough. Uh, as you saw in the video, it was uh, decent. In the video there, I remember I had, uh, I had this actually mapped out on the floor with tape. Uh, and then I realized like I didn't really need that. I could just overlay this graphic on uh, the, the web page there. So that's, you know, what I want to do. I want to revisit this and build this because a lot has changed since then. You know, it's three years old. Uh, I've changed. The project's changed. One thing that hasn't changed, though, let me go back to the workbench view. Uh, hang on. This, this is uh, kind of funny. All right, so we'll go full workbench. And these are just some random things. One thing that has not changed, though, let me pull over my little assistant here. Oh, there we go. We're sort of getting in. Oh, let me flip her around. The cat is still a fan of the box <laughs> and she just so happens to be in it right now. So this will hopefully be the, the willing or unwilling participant of uh, the, the cat laser toy. Other funny thing is the only time she ever played with the cat laser toy was that one time on show and tell. Uh, after that, she never touched it again. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but hey, at least she's still in the box. Uh, and so we can uh, have her as an assistant later for this move her out of the way there. Okay. So, uh, I guess while I've got the workbench open here, I'll just kind of go through the parts, uh, you know, what I'm thinking about to use here and let's see, I'll turn off the headshot here and, uh, we'll just go full workbench here. So, okay. So as you saw in the last, in the little video, uh, you know, when I originally built this, I had two servos at a 90 degree angle that I just hot glued together. Now, since then, there's a really nice little part we have in the shop. This is the mini pan tilt assembly that you can buy. Uh, and I'll, I'll come back and I'll show you links to these products. Uh, but this is exactly what I built just with a very nice frame. This is plastic. Uh, it's got the servos already inside of here. There are two servos, so it can move left, right, and then up, down, the top part here. 
Uh, now it comes just with this kind of like blank uh, faceplate here. And then I've actually attached to it this little metal thing here, this square thing with a hole in the center. This is a laser diode holder that we also have in the shop. And I'll come back and I'll show a link to that. Um, and it just so happens that it fits pretty well. I mean, it it kind of clears so the, the servo has these two little tabs to hold things onto here. Uh, and luckily this laser holder actually fits directly in between those tabs. The tricky thing is I can't get it to sit flush because there's like some raised edges here and I don't want to hack this thing up. Um, it does have a couple screw holes here that you might be able to see uh, that you could put some machine screws through. And there is a little bit of like a, a cutaway here on the back where you might be able to get the machine screws through. Problem is I don't have the right size machine screws. I never have the right size. That's another problem. It looks like it's a number four machine screw that it takes uh, and I only have number six and above. Uh, so what I did is I just put a little hot glue. I just tacked it down with hot glue. So it's fine, you know, it's not moving around that much. So I think, I think it'll be okay. Uh, I, I would prefer not to use hot glue just so that I could easily remove it. And you can easily remove hot glue. You can just put out, uh, rubbing alcohol on it and it'll pop right off pretty easily. Uh, but hey, it was a last ditch effort, so I figured oh, I'm just gonna glue it on there. But this will make things a lot easier. So, you know, I'm not gonna have to glue these servos together. Uh, it's a little more kind of plug and play in the sense that, you know, they're ready to go in this nice little um, fixture here that's gonna hold it. And this thing I can like screw down to something uh, and it'll give me all the, the motion that I need. Now the laser, of course, um, last time I just salvaged a laser diode out of something. Uh, but we've got a bunch of laser diodes in the shop. This one's just a simple little clear, uh, or a simple little regular red laser uh, that uh, just has a big dot. There's a version that I also picked up that uh, we have a cross, like a crosshair kind of uh, filter on it. So it'll you know make a pattern. Might experiment with it, see how it looks. Uh, and then this is kind of nice. So like I mentioned, got the laser diode holder here because I, I didn't want to glue the laser to the actual uh, little you know frame for this pan tilt thing. Uh, because, you know, you can burn out a laser diode. I might want to replace this thing. So that's why I went with the holder. And the nice thing is you can just slide the uh, diode in there and there's a set screw that you can just tighten down to, uh, to hold it in place. So I'll tighten, oops, move that forward a little more and then tighten that down. And there we go, the laser's in there. Uh, and then I just, uh, I, ahead of time, I soldered on a little bit longer wires to the, uh, to the laser diode so I can deal with these. Now one change, so something that I didn't have in V1 of this project was control of turning the laser on and off. So the laser was just always on basically. Uh, but what I'm thinking, I'm gonna use a transistor. Uh, and I think I'd mentioned this in the guide also, but I, I never actually implemented it. Uh, I'm gonna use a transistor to switch on and off the laser diode. And we'll look more at that uh, later in this stream. But it's just a really easy thing where, you know, I can use a GPIO, like one of the digital outputs from the Raspberry Pi, to control this laser beam, to turn it on and off. Now I don't wanna hook the laser directly up to the GPIO because it pulls about 25 milliamps of current, uh, which is actually not that much current. You know, really the laser is almost like a little LED. Uh, but I don't wanna pull that much current from the Raspberry Pi. Uh, I can't remember the exact limits offhand, but usually you wanna keep it uh, you know, under 10 milliamps or even less than that in a lot of, like I know the BeagleBone Black I think it only can like do two or three milliamps at most from each of the pins, but that's what a transistor can help you with. So transistor is an easy way to switch something on and off. Uh, and that something could be like a higher voltage source, uh, could be like something that takes a lot more current. So what I'll do is I can power the laser. Uh, I think I'll just power it from like the five volts from the Raspberry Pi. 
but the nice thing is the 5 volt output from the Raspberry Pi can actually give you a lot of current. Uh, I think it's, uh, if I remember correctly, it's connected directly to your power supply that's powering the Pi. So, you know, you're limited mostly by, uh, you know, the amperage of your power supply. So this is like a 2 amp supply, so I'll have plenty of current. And again, this laser diode only pulls 25 milliamps. Uh, but the nice thing is if I use the transistor, then, you know, one of the GPIO pins can connect to the transistor and basically be the switch that says, okay, turn on or turn off. And then that'll tell the transistor, okay, uh, let current flow to the laser diode or not, you know, let current flow, like turn it on or off basically. And that way the, the power from the Pi is just a little bit of current to turn the transistor on and off. And then, you know, the laser can pull as much current as it needs within the limits of the transistor. I think this one is probably good for like 100 milliamps or so. So, you know, we're not gonna need that much. But that's one change I wanna make. So I wanna be able to control the laser. And I'll have to think through. I, so again, with this project, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of building it as I go here. Um, you know, I'm gonna maybe set things up ahead of time before I stream stuff, but I haven't thought through and I certainly haven't built this whole thing out uh, like this before. So we're just gonna figure it out as we go, but I'm gonna have to think through in the, the user interface for this now. You know, maybe I'll have a button, I guess. It's like turn on or turn off the laser or something like that. You know, that'll be an interesting thing to look at later. Uh, okay, so the rest of the stuff I have here, so obviously a Raspberry Pi right here. This is uh, the Model 3 Pi that I have, but it doesn't really matter uh, the version of the Pi that you have. And uh, attached to it, obviously, is the Raspberry Pi camera. This is the V2 camera that I'm using, kind of the new one. Uh, I think it's got a bigger 8 megapixel sensor um, for it, so we'll see what that looks like. And I've just connected it to the Pi ahead of time here. And then I've got the little GPIO uh, breakout here, and so that's just going to breadboard here. And on the breadboard, I have the PCA9685. This is actually the exact same board that I used in the last project. Uh, and so I've hooked that up to the Pi already, but we'll look at how to set this thing up. Uh, and so the servos can plug into this, and then this board will control the servos because the Raspberry Pi isn't really good at directly controlling servos. Um, you need a very specific pulse with a very specific timing. And when you're using like the Linux kernel to control your GPIO outputs, the kernel's gonna get interrupted periodically, you know, maybe a web page is downloaded, and so it's gotta spend some time to deal with that. So it can't guarantee that you're always gonna have that pulse. Now, there are some ways around that. In, in the three years or so since I've done the project, people have found you can use the DMA engine on the Raspberry Pi to get a really nice, stable uh, pulse, uh, like a PWM signal from any of the GPIO pins. So that could be one option, but I like using this breakout uh, because it does a few things. I mean, it simplifies in that I literally just plug in the servos and we're ready to go uh, with it. You know, it takes care of all that signal generation, so I don't have to do any crazy stuff on the Raspberry Pi. I've got a Python library that I wrote for it that's pretty easy to use uh, to control it. And then it also, I, you know, it, it gives me this power hookup where I can hook up, you know, a five volt power source that will power the servos. And it's different from the five volt power uh, source that the Raspberry Pi uh, provides because servos can pull a decent amount of current, like especially if they get stopped or they hit their limits. Uh, you know, they, in some cases, even these little microservers, I think, can pull an amp of current, which is a lot of current, way more than you want to pull from uh, your Raspberry Pi's 5-volt output. So that's nice, and then I can hook up a better power supply to this, and then uh, it's going to use that to power the servo. So it just makes things a little bit simpler, I think, to use a board like this. And we do have a hat version of this that just fits right on top of the Raspberry Pi. Uh, that's, again, a new thing that I actually haven't uh, gotten uh, these days, but that should work just the same. It's the exact same chip. Uh, you know, maybe some of the pins or things might be a little slightly different for it, uh, but that could be a good option. 
Uh, and then over here, I just have some wiring where we're gonna come back and we'll hook up the transistor uh, to that and mess with this. So, okay, so that's that. Um, and then one other quick thing too. So let's see, let me throw, uh, let me push these things aside. So, you know, before I dive into this too far, I was thinking maybe I should just kind of start by just drawing out a little bit of like what I wanna do and talk through like, what are some of the features and things that I want this thing to have? Um, Cause this is gonna be multiple parts. I'm thinking at least four parts, maybe more. Like the first couple parts are probably just gonna be building the hardware, getting it set up locally. And then at least a couple parts on standing up a cloud machine, like on Amazon web services and having it talk to my Raspberry Pi and provide a whole web interface and all that. So, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that, that we're gonna try and cover with this. Uh, but hopefully all within the theme of making the, the cat laser toy uh, project. So, okay. So maybe I just wanted to list real quick, like what are some of the features that I want this thing to have? Uh, so obviously I wanna have laser control over the web. And so that means, you know, I need like the X, Y axis. Um, you know, I need a camera with like a live video stream. Um, and then uh, I also want to have, I want to make this available to the public. So available in the sense that anyone can access this web page. So like multiple users, I guess I should say. So multiple users can play. And so that's going to drive a bunch of requirements because, you know, only one person can control the laser at a time. So I'm going to need like a queue or, you know, some system uh, to keep track of players. Let's say keep track of players. So, you know, you might, you'll hit this web page. You'll probably say, click a button that says, I want to play. And it's going to throw you into the queue, you know, at the end of the queue. And so it'll probably tell you something like, okay, you are 10th in line uh, to play. And each, each person, so whoever's at the front of the queue, will have some amount of time to play. So like, you know, give you a few minutes to play. So we'll say like, give active, uh, active player a couple min minutes to play. And then I also want to detect if... Uh, if someone's in line, you know, if they're in the queue, but then maybe they close the browser, they exit out. Uh, I want to detect that and like uh, time them out. Uh, also, if you're active and you're not actually doing anything, you know, I probably want to give you like a warning, like a you know, 10 second warning, like, hey, you better move, do something within 10 seconds, or we're just going to cut you off and move on to the next user. Uh, so we'll say like timeout, disconnected, or idle users. So I think those are the basic features that I want. You know, I think the top one is basically what I built in the first version of this, like laser control over the web just for one user. And then the bottom part is where I think we're going to have a lot of fun and, and some challenges and things because, you know, to support multiple users, I, I could just do this all on the Raspberry Pi and do all the right router settings and things to open it up so that people could access my Raspberry Pi but that's not gonna scale very well because the Pi, you know, it's it's only so fast. Uh, it's limited in how many uh, users could access it. And I also don't want people to necessarily have to hit like my, you know, home IP address to use this thing. So that's why I was thinking, I wanna split this apart and have, you know, one part of it that's the Raspberry Pi 
and then another part of it that runs in a on a server, you know, somewhere in the cloud, quote unquote, or on something like Amazon Web Services or DigitalOcean or you know any of these providers that give give you a Linux machine uh, in the cloud. So I'll just kind of rough out, uh, sketch out kind of my rough thoughts on how I might uh, build this. And like I said, I haven't thought through the whole thing yet, so I, I still have some question marks and. If you have suggestions and things, throw them into the comments and the chat. Um, you know, this this is something that maybe will evolve uh, together. But I know for sure I'm going to have you know the Pi aspect. So the Raspberry Pi will be one part of it. You know, I'll draw a line here. So here's everything on on the Pi, uh, and then the cloud aspect of it over here. And we'll draw a little cloud around that. You know, ooh, the cloud, uh, and we'll draw a line here. So this is some server running somewhere. This is the Raspberry Pi. Now for the Pi, I know for the camera. Uh, you know, I'm going to have the Pi camera and a piece of software called MJPEG Streamer. And we'll come back to this. But this is basically some nice software. Someone ported it to use the Raspberry Pi camera. And it turns your Pi camera basically into that little security camera that I showed in the first project. So it gives you an MJPEG stream. And I didn't mention it before, but MJPEG is very important actually for this project. Uh, you might be thinking like, well, why not use like H.264, like the video that's streaming to you live right now over Twitch. Uh, but I, I tried it out and it's actually really tricky because uh, H.264 adds latency to the encoding process. So like, you know, when you see me move my hand right here, it's actually delayed like a few seconds sometimes and even more than a few seconds sometimes, like 10, 15 you know, seconds in some cases uh, from me actually moving my hand and you seeing it on your computer. And that's a problem when you're trying to control a laser over the internet because if your video feed is 15 seconds late, you know, you're gonna click somewhere, it's gonna move, the cat's gonna go after it and then you're not gonna see that for another 15 seconds. So, you know, it's, it, it's not gonna work well. But MJPEG, it's a, uh, it's just a different video compression format. It's basically just taking JPEG images and just throwing them to you as video. Uh, and the advantage of that is that it's very fast to encode to MJPEG video because most of these cameras and things will just output JPEG streams directly. So you're just effectively like piping that out to the web. Uh, it's not great on bandwidth, so you're not going to get like you know 1920 by 1200 resolution. Uh, but that's okay because you don't need like this awesome image, I think, for this. Uh, you know, I really need like low latency, fast updates. And so that's why I'm going to use MJPEG Streamer. Now, the tricky thing is, like I said, I want a lot of people to access this. And if everyone, so, you know, maybe I should say like, um, I'll draw a third line here. Here's like the user uh, or the users rather, you know, they could go directly to my Raspberry Pi and it's MJPEG Stream right there. Uh, but then they'd have to know my home IP address. I'd have to set up like a dynamic DNS thing. And then like, what if I have a hundred users connected, you know, 99 of them are watching and one of them is playing. There's no way my Raspberry Pi is going to be able to stream out to all of them. I mean, maybe it could, I haven't tried it, but there's certainly a limit to uh, how much it could stream out. But the cool thing is and I've, I've only looked at this. I haven't set this up yet, but if I run a little server in the cloud that runs the Nginx, X, uh, N G I N X web server, very nice web server. Uh, it's more than a web server though. It's actually a reverse proxy and it can reverse proxy MJPEG streamer or MJPEG streams. So we'll just say, uh, you know, this is a reverse proxy for the MJPEG stream, uh, which basically means that my cloud server 
will connect to my home Raspberry Pi. So I will have to do some configuration, like the server's gonna need to know my home IP address. And maybe we'll look at ways around this uh, that, that I might be able to use. But it's gonna make one connection to my Pi and grab that MJPEG stream. And then however many users, you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of users could be hitting my cloud server and it's just gonna give them that one stream that it's copying over from my Raspberry Pi right here. So it's nice that it's more efficient. Like there's just one connection to my Pi. I know my Pi should at least be able to serve one video stream. And then for all my users, they're gonna hit my cloud server, they're gonna hit Nginx, and there'll be an endpoint on there that's serving up the MJPEG stream. And then this should be a lot more scalable. Like if I wanna support more users, I just need to make sure that my server is big enough to handle all the users that wanna connect. Uh, and there's obviously a limit, like I'm not gonna support millions of concurrent users. This is not gonna be Facebook scale. Maybe that'll be Cat ver Laser version three <laughs> when we support the entire world playing with uh, the, the Cat Laser. So, okay, so that's the camera side of it, which I feel pretty confident about. I've looked into Nginx. It's mostly some configuration you have to do. This looks like pretty standard stuff uh, that people have done here. And this is actually HTTP that it's gonna use. Uh, so, you know, MJPEG Streamer makes a little web server my cloud server connects to that and grabs the, the data from there. So, okay, so that's that side of it. And then for the actual control, so I'm gonna need like some kind of a, a control script or something running on the Pi. And that's gonna talk to the PCA9685 servo controller. So that's gonna control the servos, you know, the up, down, left, right. And then also the laser. So I'm gonna need, you know, GPIO uh, for the laser to turn it on and off basically. Uh, and so kind of like what I was thinking with the, uh, the video stream, you know, I'm gonna have something that runs on the Pi and then my cloud server is actually what's gonna be talking to my Pi. I don't want my users to directly talk to my Pi. I'm gonna proxy it all through the server here because it lets me have, you know, more users. Uh, it keeps things a little more secure as far as, you know, I don't have people that are just directly hitting my network here. Uh, but I still have to be careful because this whole cloud server here, you know, you're gonna have to lock this thing down in some ways. Uh, like it is a real server that's gonna be out there. Um, okay, so on the cloud server, then I'm gonna need some kind of web app here. Um, and it's gonna have to do like the whole queue system. You know, it's gonna have the main logic, the play logic, something like that. Um, you know, timeout logic, all that stuff is gonna have to be in, inside of here. Uh, and as far as how users control this, you know, so when users talk to the web app, I'm gonna use mostly WebSockets. And so WebSockets are kind of a two-way communication between a user and a web page. So normally when you access a web page, it's like a one-way thing where you say, okay, download amazon.com and it starts giving you back all the data and all the images. Uh, and then if you say, if you click a link and you wanna to go to, you know, like a product or something, uh, then that's a new request that comes in from your browser. It's not the actual web page sending you, you know, that data kind of preemptively over that same channel. WebSockets kind of change that. So WebSockets let you do two-way communication where your user can connect to your web page and then your web app can say, hey, let's make a WebSocket connection. And then once that connection's open, your server can push data out to your user and you've got some JavaScript code on your web page that can deal with that. And your user, that JavaScript code can push data back down to your web app pretty much in real time. Like there's no, you know, there's no like new request that's created. There's no like 
proxy craziness going on. All of that was figured out ahead of time, and you've just got this nice little channel that's open to very quickly send uh, data around, like a control signal that says, hey, user clicked you know, at this position of the screen, and then the web app has to figure out, okay, uh, that maps to you know, servo position, X, Y, whatever. And then the web app's gonna need to talk to my control script over here and say, okay, you know, user clicked in the middle of the screen, move the servos to the middle position, something like that. Uh, and then that's gonna actually move the laser, the camera's gonna pick that up, and then that's gonna stream it out to all the users again, including the active user that's playing this. Uh, and then the web app's gonna have to have the logic to say, okay, you know, we'll give users like a minute or two that they can play, and then once they're done, we'll probably, you know, be nice to give them a little message that says, hey, okay, you're done playing. Uh, maybe if you want to jump back into the end of the queue or something, and then the next person, you know, it, it should hopefully pop up. And I'm thinking like every user that connects this web app, I'm just going to open a WebSocket connection so that I can just instantly stream to them, like send them an event that says, hey, you know, you're second in line, get ready, like you're going to play in a couple minutes, or, you know, it's your turn, go, you know, here's like show the aiming interface and all that stuff. So this is, I think, going to be a pretty complex part of this project. Um, but I'm pretty confident, though, in that all of this stuff is feasible. I've, I've, if you've seen all the videos I've done, I've done everything here, like, all separately. So this is going to be one that kind of ties everything together in some ways. Um, now, one kind of question mark is I'm still thinking about how I want to do this control from the cloud server down to my control script here. You know, I could run a little web interface on the control script so that it has, like, a REST interface. And then my cloud server just has to make little, you know, HTTP requests against my Pi over here. Um, that would work. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's actually what I did in the original project. Uh, but I was kind of wondering, so maybe I'll put like HTTP question mark as one option. Uh, another thing I was thinking about was what about using MQTT to uh, send those control messages around? Uh, and, and this kind of means like I need some broker somewhere. And, and I'm not exactly sure where I want to put that thing, but... I could put a broker on my cloud server, and then that kind of simplifies things in that now my control script, once it starts running, it could connect to this MQTT broker. So now my cloud server doesn't even need to know how to talk to my Raspberry Pi. My Pi is gonna to talk to my cloud server here. Once it's connected to that MQTT broker, then anything on this cloud machine can send that broker messages and it'll pass them down to my control script here. And it can go both ways. My control script could also send messages up here. Like I was thinking, my control script, when it boots up, it could figure out the IP address of my Raspberry Pi and maybe send a message to my server that says, hey, by the way, your camera is running at this URL, you know, use this for your your reverse proxy config. And then maybe I could have a script that's running on my cloud server that configures Nginx to go uh, point to that, uh, to my Raspberry Pi and my local IP address there. So that was one thing I'm thinking about, you know, that, that it might work well in this case. And MQTT is pretty low overhead. It's, uh, it's fast. So I, I might explore that option in a little more details. Uh, another thing that I was thinking is, you know, this interface between my Pi and the cloud server, I could just throw this all inside of a VPN um, so that basically I have a, a virtual private network so that I have like an encrypted tunnel between, you know, maybe the camera data and my server and especially the control data. Like I wanna make sure, you know, if I use HTTP for this, uh, I have to be careful because if someone figures out that protocol and they know my IP address and I don't have any authentication or anything, you know, locking this down, uh, I'm in trouble. Then people are just going to take over my laser here and control it blindly. That's one reason why I like the idea of MQTT because 
in its protocol, it has a concept of security and encryption. Like you can actually use TLS, the uh, same technology as SSL. And it's pretty easy to set it up with some of the brokers that are out there these days. Um, so I could have it set up so that like I have a, a special SSL or not SSL, but a shared certificate that, you know, I have the private cert on my Pi and then a public cert on my cloud server here. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. I just have the same cert on both these machines. And then it can use that certificate to encrypt this communication over MQTT. And then that way I can feel a little more secure uh, in that people aren't going to just randomly take over my laser. Um, a VPN would be another way where this just operates more at your network interface level, where my cloud server would have a network uh, interface that it could talk to that's tunneled over to my Raspberry Pi. And this gets more complex. You need to figure out like your VPN clients and things. So I'm not sure if I'm gonna go down that route, but I just wanted to mention it as you know, things I'm thinking about. But I think the overall idea is pretty sound as far as you know, using MJPEG streamer on the Pi with Nginx as a reverse proxy. That'll give me the video component and MJPEGs are real fast, low latency, so that'll be great. Uh, and then the control script is gonna actually take care of talking to the servos and controlling the laser on and off. Um, and then I'll have a whole web app on the cloud server here that uses WebSockets to queue up users, give them a chance to play, uh, you know, have all that logic built in there. And then uh, it's going to have to talk in, through some way to uh, my Raspberry Pi and the control server there. Uh, so that's what I'm thinking. That's the basic design here. I think in this video, so let's see, let's switch back to uh, kind of the main view of everything. So in this video, um, what I wanted to do, you know, did the little intro, talked about what I wanted to build. Uh, I, I think let's go through and let's just get each of these components working with the Raspberry Pi. You know, I, I want to get the servos moving. I want to get the laser diode turning on and off. Uh, and so I'll go through that whole process here and, and we'll just kind of see what it takes to set things up. And again, like I mentioned, um, I'll go through and there'll be links in the description. Uh, uh, there'll be links in the description so you can see all the projects and things. Uh, I just noticed, uh, yeah, if people have questions, uh, I'll come back to questions because it's kind of the way I have to do these streams. I, I don't have uh, a lot of opportunity to look at the chat. So we'll come by at the end. Uh, this will probably only go another 30 minutes or so at most. So, okay. So as far as the parts, this is the mini pan tilt kit, like I mentioned. You know, I'll put a link in here. Super handy. This saves you all the pain having to build it yourself. Uh, so I highly recommend this. Uh, and then this is the servo controller that I'm using, the PCA9685. Uh, super easy to use with the Raspberry Pi. And we actually have a hat version of this that uh, I don't link to here, but we'll say uh, PCA9685. If I search for that, yep, there it is. So here's the hat version. Uh, not a big difference between the hat and the, the breakout, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, you might as well go for the hat version if you're getting it. And it's got a slot here so the, the Pi camera can, the cable can come out of it, which is very nice to have. So uh, that that's handy. So, okay, so grab that. And then uh, the laser diode, I'm just using this one, just a little uh, five milliwatt red laser diode. But we do have other versions. So there is um, a, this one makes a line, just a straight line. This one makes a cross. So like a crosshair, which I got one of these. I might play with it and see uh, how that works later. And then we do have one where it has an extra wire coming from it that you can use to turn the laser on and off. Um, so it's it's a little easy. You know, if you don't want to do that transistor thing like I'm going to do here, you could use this. Um, but 
I, you know, the transistors are simple and easy, and this is a good opportunity to learn how to use them. So I say go for the, the cheaper diode here. If you're totally like, I'm not dealing with analog, which I can understand, I come from a software background, then maybe get the TTL one. That'll probably be easier for you to use. Uh, you can just hook it up, uh, hook that yellow wire like straight up to the GPIO line on the Raspberry Pi uh, and control it. So there's that. Uh, this is the laser mount, like I mentioned, and it just so happens that it fits on this servo thing, but it's not easy to attach it. Like I said, you're gonna need some small machine screws. You might need to drill into the little uh, plate that's on the, the servo holder. I just hot glued it, so hey, that works. I was trying to see if I could use zip ties, but I couldn't get them around uh, in a good way with that. So there's that thing. There is a really fancy adjustable laser mount. I got this one also. Um, but it, it's a little large. Um, it's much larger than the base of this uh, servo thing. And I don't really need this tilting ability because, hey, I've got that tilt axis already on my servo. So I think it's overkill. I think go for this one. Um, you know, you, like worst case, just like zip tie the laser onto this. Like you don't have to get fancy with it uh, or hot glue it if you want. But like I said, you might kill your laser diode. So don't like permanently, you know, don't E6000 your laser diode onto there. Uh, you might need to uh, to replace it at some point. So, okay, so there's that. So those are the parts. Uh, so let's just kind of get started. I'll connect to the Raspberry Pi, which I'm actually already there. And I've done a little bit of setup. I've uh, I basically just installed some packages because the installation is pretty slow when I'm streaming. So I wanted to do that ahead of time. Um, but let's go in and maybe first, uh, let's get the camera set up first because an MJPEG streamer, that's kind of isolated and, and pretty straightforward. Um, so first I'm gonna run Raspi config and I've already expanded the file system. Like, make sure to do that. That's the step one anytime you load up a, a new version of Raspbian. And I'm using the latest Raspbian Jesse. It's the 527 2016 image uh, for this. Now, you want to go in and click Enable Camera. Uh, if you don't do that, your camera's not going to work. So make sure to do that. And then I'm also going to go into the Advanced Options because I know I need to do this. My PCA9685 board, it uses the I2C interface, and so you have to enable that. So I'm going to go in and click, yep, I want to enable this. It'll do its thing. Uh, and then that should be it as far as the, the config options I need to set. So I'm going to finish. And then you do have to reboot. So reboot so that it can apply the device tree changes and things that it needs uh, to update the the, uh, the I2C interface and load the kernel modules and do all that stuff. So we'll give this a second. And hey, it's the, the Pi 3, so it's uh, pretty fast to reboot. So it should be back up in a second here. And then we'll reconnect. And we'll see if we can get the camera going. And then the camera, I've already connected it ahead of time. Um, you know, check out the, I think we have a link to the uh, instructions, but basically there's a little, uh, I think it's the CSI connector here. You can just lift the edges straight up and it pushes to the side. And then be careful, so the metal parts, the metal contacts on the cable, there's a blue side. The blue side kind of faces this way, you know, towards your ethernet jack. And then the metal contacts face this way towards the power jack here. Uh, and so the cable slides down and then just locks in place here. Um, and it used to be kind of tricky to get the camera to work. Uh, I'm gonna connect to the Pi. Uh, but that was, I think, because they were changing the firmware a lot. Things seem to be pretty stable. I haven't had any problems with the camera these days. But if you do get a problem where the camera's not working, make sure you've seated the cable like straight down. It's not crooked or at an angle because this is like a, I don't know, 15, 16, 20 pin connector or so. Lots of little pins there, not pins, but traces. And so if this isn't perfectly aligned, you, your traces aren't gonna match up and you know bad things will happen. And the same thing can actually happen on the camera side here too. Now this is, I, I haven't run into as many problems here, but you can disconnect and, and connect this. So again, like 
there's this little black part that just kind of pops forward and then slides back and then the cable pops out but don't don't mess with this first like you know usually this connection is the one that's messed up um, if you're having problems with it now the one thing I want to do so I've enabled the camera I want to make sure that it's actually working so I'm just going to use the raspi still command uh, and so I'll run help and make sure to use the full version of Raspbian Jesse, not the light or the minimal version. Uh, if you're using the light or the minimal, you might not have all these tools installed like Raspi still. So you might have to go in and like go to the package manager and, and install these things uh, versus if you use the full image, it's just gonna give you those out of the box. So, okay, there's a ton of options to Raspi still. Uh, if I remember correctly, I have to use the O option. And then by default, it takes five, it waits five seconds and then it will take a picture, or you can use this dash T to say how long to wait. Um, so I'm gonna say, let's say Raspi still output uh, test.jpg and time, you know, do it after one millisecond. So that should just do a quick little picture. Okay, that's good, I didn't see any error. Um, if there was something wrong with the camera, then you would definitely see an error at this point. It would say like, hey, GPU memory error or something. So go back, make sure that you've enabled the camera in Raspi config, make sure it's connected, everything's seated properly, you've got a good power supply because the camera does pull some power. Uh, so, you know, go through all that troubleshooting first uh, before you, you start getting uh, upset. And then uh, I'm just gonna connect, I'm gonna turn on this Mac Fusion thing that lets me mount my Raspberry Pi as a file system on my Mac. And so we'll give this thing a second. Uh, oh, uh, that's annoying. Sometimes it disconnects a little bit. There we go, okay, so yeah, retry. And then let me just open up uh, my Raspberry Pi. And, oh, I saved it as test.jp. I meant to do JPEG, so I, I think we're still okay. Yeah, use JPEG, I hate these little uh, things. Okay, now if I double click this, hey, look at that, there is my ceiling and a little bit of me, and you can see the green screen. I, I have a green screen behind me. I haven't used that thing in a while. I, I need to, to use that again. Uh, and then this is a little light that I have for uh, photos and things, so cool. Okay, so camera works. This is looking good. Now it's upside down, but <clears throat> like I said, in this video, I just wanna test the components and make sure everything works. Uh, and then in the next video, let's start putting this thing together and making the actual cat laser, you know, doing the code to show it on a web page and that type of stuff. Okay, so that's looking good. Now let's take a look at MJPEG Streamer. And I'll put a link to this in the description below when this goes up. This is a fork of MJPEG Streamer that, a that adds native Raspberry Pi camera support. So the Pi camera is a little special in that the GPU on the Raspberry Pi is actually what controls the camera. So it's not like a webcam in Linux where you plug it in and it's got this whole video for Linux subsystem. Uh, and then there's a whole set of tools built around that. And I'm sure like MJPEG Streamer can use these things. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that use those. But the Pi camera doesn't show up as one of those things. Like, you know, it's not some standard USB camera. It's this weird GPU kind of, you know, Raspberry Pi specific thing. Um, so luckily though, people have actually taken the code that the Raspberry Pi Foundation provides and have ported it over so that most tools that use the camera, like MJPEG Streamer, or there's a package called Motion that's used for doing like object and like motion detection and stuff, uh, those have, most of them have had Raspberry Pi camera support added to them. Uh, and so that's why I'm using this fork of MJPEG Streamer that added that support. And it's pretty easy uh, to, to use it. So you can't just do an apt package install, at least as far as I know. Let's, let's see, apt cache search MJPEG. Let's see what's in the, the, uh, the Raspbian re repository. So 
Uh, oh, I don't even see MJPEG streamer in the uh, repository. So hey, I guess you can't even use that. So so we will have to compile it, but it's not hard. Um, it does kind of mention here. Uh, so you need CMake installed and you need libjpeg and specifically he used libjpeg uh, 62 dev. Uh, so that's what I want to install. Uh, it's, it's a little tricky if you're new to compiling software sometimes to know which dependencies that you need. So, okay, so you're going to want to do sudo apt-get install cmake. Um, you probably want to add <clears throat> build-essential. This gives you a C, C++ compiler, all the basics to compile code. This is almost always already installed on every system, but it never hurts to just say that we need this again. Um, and then I want to get libjpeg, and uh, I'll sh actually show you. Let's do apt-cache search first. Uh, apt-cache search libjpeg. And let's see what versions we have here. So this is an annoying thing that I kind of don't like about um, you know, the Linux world. Uh, something like libjpeg, there are many versions of it. Like it looks like it's up to version nine. And each one of those has a separate package. And as a newbie, it's kind of like, okay, which one do I install? Like you probably have to go and figure out what is different between each of these versions and then go to the software that you're using and see, okay, what version does it expect? Because if you have like an old version and your software is using new features, it's not gonna work. So it's like, it's just annoying that it's, there's so many versions and you have to figure this out. Luckily, they kind of gave you a hint here that said they use libjpeg62. I don't see libjpeg62-dev, but I do see libjpeg62-turbo-dev. And the dash dev version is what I want because that gives you the headers that you need to compile code that uses libjpeg. If I just install libjpeg turbo up here, it's just gonna give me the shared library, like the DLL kind of, that, um, that, that has the code. But if I'm compiling code to use libjpeg, it needs headers and definitions that tell it the functions inside of there. So that's what the dev version does. And the dev version will actually install this uh, version also. So it never hurts to install the dev version usually. Uh, the turbo, I don't know exactly what that means, but I have a feeling you know, this is probably some optimized version that someone went in and made faster. Uh, and then they thought, hey, let's call it turbo. So I'm assuming that it's compatible and I've actually done this ahead of time and it, it does work. So libjpeg62 turbo dev is what I'm gonna install uh, for this. So sudo apt-get install cmake build essential, uh, oops, spelled that wrong. And then that libjpeg62, libjpeg62-turbo dash dev. So I'll do that and it's already installed for me because I did this ahead of time. Uh, but this will spin for a little while and install some stuff. Okay, and then at this point, it's pretty easy. Um, I need to clone this repository. So we'll click this link. Um, and if you didn't already, make sure to install the git, uh, git git uh, source repository system. Uh, it's already installed on the full version of Raspbian, so you're fine. So we will git clone the uh, repository here. And that's gonna pull down the code. And then I'm gonna go into the directory that it created. And inside of here, there's another directory, this MJPEG streamer experimental. Uh, and it kind of tells you, okay, to compile it, we go into that directory, we run make, we run sudo make install. This is all pretty typical uh, of the install process. And then it shows a little bit further down how you wanna run this thing. And we'll come back to this in a second. So, okay, let's do this make command. And this will, uh, oh, it immediately fails because I'm not in the right directory. So I need to go into that experimental directory and now run the make command. 
And so this is just gonna use, there's a make file that they created ahead of time. Um, I didn't technically need to install CMake. CMake will actually build that make file, uh, but they kind of mentioned like, if you wanna tweak some of the uh, build options, then you have to use CMake for that. And so that's what they mentioned in this advanced compile. Well, I don't need to worry about that. I'm just gonna use the defaults here. So, okay, this will just take a second here. It's giving me kind of output. It's building certain output uh, plugins and things. It looks like MJPEG is built to use a lot of plugins, which is kind of nice. Like I can plug my own code into it if I wanted. So nothing wrong with that. Um, okay, so that's built. And then sudo make install. This is gonna go and copy the libraries into the right spots so that my machine will have everything it needs to run code that uses um, the MJPEG streamer. And then at this point, um, now to use it, they show you have to set your load library path equal to the current directory. I think this is probably because all of these .so files, so these are shared objects, which are basically like a DLL file from the Windows world, but this is the Linux version of that. It's just like compiled C code, like functions inside of there. And from what I understand, MJPEG Streamer, it's made to have these as like plugins. So I can say, you know, I want to output to HTTP or maybe I want to output to a local file or something like that. So you pick which of these plugins you want. But in order to load that DLL, uh, and I'm not totally familiar with this stuff, but in the Linux world, I think they use this load library path environment variable. And by default, uh, in fact, I can just echo it out. Let's see what I've got, uh, LD library path. So I don't even have it set right now. I think by default, it probably looks under like user, uh, lib, or I don't know, whatever these directories are. Uh, I'm sure all those shared objects are in there, but it needs to be told basically explicitly like, hey, my shared objects are in this directory that I'm running in right now. So that's what this kind of command does. The export says, you know, make this an environment variable that stays for as long as this terminal session is open. Uh, the, I'm gonna actually slightly change how I do this. I'm just gonna grab this part here that sets the environment variable, and I'm gonna copy that in, uh, and I'm inside that experimental directory like they mentioned, and now I'm actually gonna copy the command to start MJPEG streamer like this. Uh, and so what this is doing is basically, you can set environment variables that only apply to this command that's being run. And you just list all of your environment variables um, before that command effectively. And so this environment variable is only gonna apply to this command just because I don't like to change this load library path because it can drastically alter how your software runs. You know, if, if I uh, go away from this, but I forget that I exported load library path equal to the current directory, and then I go start running some other program, that other program is gonna run with load library path equal to the current directory, which best case doesn't do anything, it just ignores it. But worst case, maybe there's some shared object in that current directory that suddenly gets loaded that I didn't expect to load. So uh, this load library path is always a pain in the butt, I hate it, but that's why I like to be explicit about it. So when I know I'm gonna change it, I'm just gonna put it in the command itself that I'm running this with. So, okay, enough talking. And you can see from the, the command here, so it's gonna run the MJPEG streamer tool that's in this directory. The dash O command, I'm guessing this is the output plugin. And so this is saying, hey, use output HTTP.SO. So use the web output. Uh, and then I think this is like a parameter it's passing to it uh, that says like, I don't know, put it under a slash www folder or something. And then my input, it's gonna use the input raspi cam. So I'm assuming that's the Raspberry Pi code that reads the camera. So, okay, so I just ran this and it started and it's not super obvious, but it kind of tells you, okay, uh, my HTTP TCP port is 8080. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna actually connect my Raspberry Pi. So we'll go Raspberry Pi 
and port 8080, so 8080, and this is a colon that I put in between here. Uh, you might need to use the IP address of your Raspberry Pi if your router doesn't resolve the Raspberry Pi name uh, like this. But I'm gonna hit this, and hey, look at this. So this is saying, congratulations, you've successfully installed uh, MJPEG Streamer. And notice here, it's got like a little picture. This looks a lot like uh, my room right now. And so I'm gonna click this stream right here, and hey, look at this. So if I move my hand over here, you know, you can see, uh, actually you can kind of see, I guess we can compare both these video streams. If I move this up a little bit, then you can watch in the upper right-hand corner, you know, as I move my hand, let's see if, uh, I'm trying to think how I can orient this so that you can see, uh, I guess if I try and make it face like straight up like that, okay. So where am I at over the camera here? Just trying to, it's all, it's all kind of reversed to me. So this is, uh, okay, obviously not that way. There we go. Okay, there we go. Oh, now you can't see my hand. All right, let's try to move all of this up this way like that. All right, let's see how that works. Okay, because I'm just kind of curious to see. So if I close my hand, I'm going to watch the upper right stream and the and the, the left stream and see, you know, how fast are they? Are they both? That's pretty quick. I mean, that's like, that feels like maybe 500 milliseconds, maybe, you know, 700. Feels like almost half a second or so. But that's still pretty fast, um, you know, low latency. Like if this was something like a Twitch stream or something like that, to get that level of latency is pretty hard, especially with H.264 video, because, you know, those those better compression schemes, yeah, they give you a smaller size, but they require all this extra data to do that. So that's why they need a bunch of extra frames, because that's how they do their compression. They look at a bunch of frames and say, oh, this object that's moving, I can just store one representation of it and then store, you know, the, the motion it's moving along. Uh, rather than MJPEG, basically every single frame you see here is just a JPEG image, you know, so it's it's not going to be great bandwidth wise. And oh, hey, look, you can see uh, maybe as I stream this here, we'll uh, point it up there. Uh, so it's, <clears throat> you know, not great on bandwidth, but it's good on latency. And that's fine. That's the trade off that I want. Um, okay, so I think this is, uh, I think we can call this a success. MJPEG streamer is running. Um, I think I can just copy this image address and view it. Let's see what this looks like. Um, okay, yeah, there we go. So, you know, this is my stream right here and you can see, yeah, it looks like it's working uh, like that. So, okay, so that's cool. So as long as I'm running this software, my Raspberry Pi is serving up on this URL an MJPEG stream. So, you know, we'll come back later and I think in the next video or maybe a couple of videos from now, we'll see how we can set up Nginx on a cloud server to grab this video stream and then serve it out to other users. So, okay, so that's cool. So we'll consider that a success. Um, now the next thing, let's let's do the servos. Uh, so I've got the servos here and I've got the PCA9685 hooked up. Uh, and I'm gonna go a little bit quickly here because we have a guide on how to hook this thing up to the Raspberry Pi. It just uses the I2C interface. Uh, it's pretty straightforward and easy to set up. One thing that I do need to do, I'm gonna set up uh, a separate power supply for the servos. So I'm gonna plug in uh, a ground and a, uh, oops, let me get the right size screwdriver. Uh, plug in the ground and a power lead. And I was looking around and I, my bench supply is what I'm gonna use. Um, I didn't have, I had a battery pack, but I don't have enough batteries for it. So like a four AA battery pack is usually perfect for servos. Um, you know, it gives you about like six volts and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. It can supply a lot of current, but my bench supply should work too. So we'll use that. Uh, unfortunately, my bench supply is a little loud, so you'll hear it. I'm gonna turn it on uh, over here. 
and it's outputting five volts. Um, okay, so that's my, my servos are powered. Uh, they're not hooked up yet, so I'll do that next. So let's plug them in. And so there's a bottom servo down here. I'll plug that into channel zero on the end here. And you do gotta be careful about the orientation with these servos. So the brown is the ground, red is power, and the top one is the PWM signal. And that kind of shows right in the middle here that your PWM signal goes on the top. So the orange wire on the top. But double check your servos, you know, each one might be different. Um, okay, yeah, I kind of saw that servo just jiggled a little bit, so that seems good. And then I'm gonna plug the second servo into channel one. So channel zero is the bottom servo, channel one is the top servo. So, okay, so that seems good, and we'll see if we can stand that thing up. Um, uh, maybe not standing up very well, okay. So let's go back and let's do the software side of this now. Um, so what I'm going to use is this little library I made, the uh, Python PCA9685 library. So I recently ported this over. This came from our old Raspberry Pi Python code. We had this big mega repository, um, this one right here, uh, which had all of our Python code inside of it. Uh, and then if you go to it now, it kind of says, oh, where'd all the code go? Well, we broke it out into libraries here, so it's a lot easier to use. Uh, and so that's what this the old PWM servo driver class is now a Python library that you can install on the machine and use. It's actually on the Python package index and all that fancy stuff, but you don't get the example files if you install from there. So I like to install from source. So this mentions how to install it. Um, and so for this, I do want to, I'm gonna use Python 3 for this whole project. At least I'm gonna to try to. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be able to use it for everything though. Uh, just because, hey, you know, it's 2016, uh, it's time to use Python 3. So, all right, I'm gonna sudo apt-get install Python 3, Python 3-pip, because I'm probably gonna need the package manager at some point. And then Python3-dev, because usually you need this when you're compiling uh, Python uh, extensions and things. So I'm gonna hit enter here, and these are already installed, So, but this is gonna run through and it might do the installation for you. Uh, okay, so once those are installed, then I'm going to go to my home directory and clone this repository. So I'll do that. So we'll go back to the home directory. We'll clone the repository. And then I'm gonna go into the uh, repository and then what I want to do is sudo python3, oops, python3, because remember I'm going to use python3, uh, and I have to run the setup.py and give it the install command. So this is going to install the library. And I have to be explicit to say python3 because libraries for python3 are completely separate from python2. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not good enough just to run the python command. Uh, I have to run the, the python3 command. So this is going to install, grab a few dependencies and install it. Uh, and now I can go into the examples directory and we have this simple test example here. And so this just kind of shows like the basics. So you create this uh, PCA9685 class. Now it defines um, your servo kind of, you, there's a minimum and a maximum pulse length. And so this kind of uh, defines the endpoints of your servo. So at the minimum pulse width, your servo is gonna move all the way to one extreme, and at the maximum, it's gonna move in the opposite direction to the other extreme. And usually you get like 160, 150-ish or so degrees of movement. You know, it's not usually a perfect 180, uh, like, you know, side to side, but that's fine for my needs. I don't need like, you know, this crazy omnidirectional. Although, boy, that just gave me a fun idea. We should do the 360, uh, 360 degree camera laser toy where you could point you know in any direction in the room or whatever that might be version three of this project we'll come back to that um, okay so then it's got some complexity here to do this servo pulse you have to do some calculations um, basically you're converting from a pulse width 
to uh, you know this frequency for the PWM uh, that it needs to use. Uh, and then down here is where it just goes into a main loop where it just moves between the minimum and the maximum extreme values right here. So it just swaps between those with a second of delay in between. And it does this for channel zero. So this set PWM function is basically like which channel. So like zero, one, two, three, you know, 16 channels for this thing. Uh, so I'll start with channel zero. And then the other parameters are, uh, if I remember correctly, the amount of time to be uh, low and the amount of time to be high or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly what this is. You kind of need to look at the uh, set servo pulse function sometimes to see that. But uh, basically, I'm just going to have this move between its extremes. And we'll see as I play with these values how things change. So, okay, so let's save that. Um, and actually, I didn't modify this, so I'm not going to uh, save whatever changes I made. Before I do this, though, there's one other little thing we should check. So do a sudo apt-get install i2c tools. Install this package, uh, and this is going to, or sorry, I2C dev, if I remember correctly, is what it's, I think this is what it's called. Oh boy, uh, maybe it's I2C dash tools. Uh, we'll do a search here in a second if this doesn't get it. Uh, there we go, I2C dash tools is what you want, because this gives you the I2C detect function. And if I run this with dash Y1, this is gonna look on uh, I, the I squared C bus one, which is what most Raspberry Pis use. I'm gonna run this and notice it found this device at address OX40. And that's my PCA9685 board. So just a good check. If you don't see that uh, OX40 here, that means there's some problem talking to this chip. And so your servers aren't gonna work at all. So, you know, start troubleshooting like your connections between the PCA board and the Raspberry Pi if you run into trouble there. Um, okay, so everything looks good. Now the bottom servo is what it's gonna control. So maybe I'll hold the base here so that it can move kind of freely. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens here when I run this. So I'm gonna run Python 3 simpletest.py and let's see what happens. Ah, look at that. Notice it's moving, so let's see how I can hold this. There we go, if I hold this like this, now you can kind of see. So notice it's just going between those extremes. You know, that's 150 and 600 or so. And I'm gonna press Control C to stop it when it's at one of the extremes. So like here. And notice one good thing, you might not be able to tell, but I don't hear any buzzing or I don't hear, you know, see the servo shaking. Sometimes if you're at an extreme, you might see your servo buzzing or shaking. Uh, and what that kind of means is that you've gone too far and the feedback loop in the servo is like getting confused and just trying to overcompensate for things. So that means that you would want to dial back your minimum and maximum values so that like, you know, I could set this from like 200 to 550, not 2000. Uh, so that'll actually, it'll move less, but it's not going to get into that bad spot where it gets into like that weird feedback loop. Uh, for that. So that's just something to be aware of. So you want to test like both those extremes and make sure that the servo doesn't like shake or vibrate or do bad things um, like that. So, you know, that servo seemed okay, but uh, uh, you know, I, I guess I guess we can keep it as is. Um, I do want to change though. So now let's test channel one. So I'll go back and I'll change this line. So instead of channel zero, now I should move the top servo here that kind of moves it up and down. Um, so, okay, so we'll save that. And um, I guess I guess we'll keep these lower limits for now. Um, you know, it can't hurt to, to save those. Okay, and let's do the same thing. So let's run simple test and see what happens here. So hey, look at notice that. So we're moving that servo there. So looks like it's moving through a pretty good range of motion uh, for that. So cool. So I'm gonna stop it at that extreme. 
and yeah, I don't see or hear any movement, so it looks like that's good. So, okay, servos are a success. Uh, you know, the code works, the everything works, you know, it's, it's, it's ready to go. Uh, so I, I think we can move on. So next step is the laser diode. So I've mounted it inside of that laser holder. There's just a set screw on the top there that you put down. Uh, and then, so the laser diode itself is pretty easy and straightforward. Um, let's see, if I put it here, then you'll probably be able to see it. Um, so you really just need to give it five volts of power. Um, I think it takes a range of like 2.7 to like 5.9 or something. Uh, but if I take the Raspberry Pi five volt output, you know, we should be able to see this laser uh, light up. So I'm gonna see if I can angle it down so that you'll be able to see uh, on the table here. Um, unfortunately, it wants to tip over. So see if I can put something here to kind of hold it. There we go, that, that should hold it, hopefully. There we go, that should work. Okay, so I'm actually just gonna hook this thing straight up to the five volts on the Raspberry Pi. Uh, and actually, I can use the five volts from my bench supply uh, right here. So let's, let's just do that. Cause I just wanna make sure the, the diode works. Uh, so I'll put five volts there, five volts there. And if you can kind of see next to my finger, there's a little red dot right there. Like my pinky's kind of pointing at it. So looks like it works. Um, that seems fine to me. So, okay. so. Now let's get this thing hooked up with the transistor, which I almost lost. So remember, I want to control this thing on and off with my Raspberry Pi. And so to do that, you know, I don't want to hook this thing straight up to the GPIO outputs on the Pi because, yeah, this laser only pulls 25 milliamps and maybe that's okay if you read all the data sheets. But in general, I, I want to make sure that I can power this thing with a good power supply, let it take as much current as it wants, and not lose sleep over destroying my Raspberry Pi. Uh, so that's why I'm going to use Transistor for this. And there's actually a really good little page that I saw uh, from the elinux.org, awesome website, like great little wiki that they have here. And they mention exactly how to do this. So using an NPN transistor, uh, if you put it in this kind of configuration, so you have your load up here uh, and then ground at the bottom, and then your base is kind of that on and off signal here, uh, then that way you're, you're basically switching the ground on and off. And so current's not gonna flow without any ground to go to. <clears throat> so, you know, when the transistor turns off, your load turns off, like things can't, power can't flow through this. Uh, but when this uh, base voltage increases and some current flows through the base, the transistor turns on, and now it actually lets the current flow between uh, you know the collector and the emitter down here. I think I got that right. I, I studied mostly software, but I've picked up a lot of hardware as I've gone. So, uh, so it's it's a switch. We're effectively using a switch. Uh, the transistor is a switch here, uh, and then that way you know I can use whatever five volt power source I want for my laser diode. I could use the, the Raspberry Pi, which sure, I'm fine to do that because it's just using the, the wall regulator uh, output so it can source a lot of current. Um, or I could have like, you know, my bench supply or battery pack or whatever. So it gives, gives me a few more options. Uh, so let's do that. So this is the transistor. This is a NPN 2N3905. This is a pretty standard transistor. Um, I think they can support up to around 100 milliamps or so of current. So my laser diode's only 25 milliamps. That's fine. I'm not going to run into problems. We do have fancier ones. There's like the TIP120 Darlington trans, uh, transistor. Those can source, you know, amps of current, like one, two, three amps of current sometimes. I don't need it in this case, but something to be aware of. You know, if you, even if you're working with higher current stuff, you can make it work with uh, just better transistors for that. Uh, and then if you're not really familiar with transistors, just do a search for 29, uh, 2N3904, and you'll see the one thing you, you might not be sure about is the pinout of them. So when you look at the transistor, there's a flat side and a curved side. So you wanna be careful that you get the right pins. So like the flat side, 
Uh, the rightmost pin is the collector, and so that's what goes up to my source. The leftmost pin is the emitter, that goes down to ground, and then the middle one is the base. That's kind of the on-off that the Raspberry Pi GPIO is gonna control. Uh, so I'm gonna connect this thing to a circuit. I've already kind of wired it up, and it actually shows um, the circuit. You do need a resistor. Uh, if I go back here, so you do need a 1K resistor here because you need to get some current to flow from the GPIO output on the Raspberry Pi. And so this kind of limits that current. So it limits it to a small amount of current. And then the transistor sees that current and says, oh, okay, I'm gonna allow a lot of current to flow uh, through this line here. So I've basically got that little resistor in series here. Uh, I've built exactly like this schematic there. So there's the resistor. Um, and then the last things I need to hook up here are the laser diode. Now, the laser diode is the load in this picture. So the ground is actually gonna connect up to the uh, collector, the top part of the transistor here, uh, just like they show here. So you can see like the negative symbol, that's the ground, uh, because that's the direction that the, the current's gonna flow. So, okay, so I'm just gonna make sure that I get this in the right spot. So I want this, uh, oh, actually I, put the transistor in the wrong spot, so I need to move that. Okay, there we go. And now I need to put that into the breadboard. And this can be a little annoying. I, I hate putting stranded wires into breadboards. I, I tin the wire ahead of time with solder. That makes it a lot easier to put stranded wires into a breadboard. If you don't do that, you're having a heck of a time getting a stranded wire in there. I'm gonna turn off the bench supply also. I don't need that on anymore. Um, okay, and then, so the power side of it, this is the top part, and this needs to go to a five volt source. Uh, and in this case, I'm just gonna use the five volt output from the Raspberry Pi. And I've moved it over to a different pin uh, with a jumper wire so that it's easier for me to push it into the breadboard over here. So I'll just stick that into there. Okay, so it's hooked up to the transistor. And then the base of the transistor goes through that little resistor right here. And that's going to pin 23 on the GPIO, GPIO of my Pi. Now notice the, uh, the laser's not on. It's, I don't see the dot there yet. So let's write some Python real fast. Uh, so I'm just gonna run Python 3. And I need to control GPIO pin 23. So I'm gonna use the RPI GPIO library. So if I import rpi.gpio as GPIO, this is kind of the standard boilerplate for how to use this library. Uh, oh, I just lost the, uh, the the light, the battery on that one out. That'll actually work well. Now we'll see the laser better. Uh, okay, so I import this. Then I wanna do gpio.setmode, gpio.bcm, because you need to tell it you're using BCM pin numbering, and this is the most annoying thing in the world, and I wish they'd just make this a default, but whatever. Uh, okay, so I do that, and then I wanna say GPIO setup, uh, pin 23 is an output. And okay, now the magic, gpio.output23, gpio.high. Let's see what happens here when I do this. Hey, you might've noticed it's, a, it's very faint, but there is a little laser dot here. Um, so it is definitely, it's coming through. Uh, I wonder if my connections aren't that great, if it's not letting enough current through uh, on this. Let me just jiggle these things around a little bit. Um, make sure that I've got everything connected correctly also. So yeah, that's going to ground. Yeah, well, it's good enough. It's obviously controlling it. Uh, it was a little bit brighter earlier, but I'll have to mess with it more and see uh, why it's a little bit dim. But it is on, so, and then if I do low, let's see, uh, turns off, so you see it went away. If I go back and run high, it's on, and then low, it's off. So, okay, cool, like, we've got control of the, the laser diode there. So, uh, I think I'm gonna wrap it up. So the stream's starting to run a little bit long. You know, I wanna keep each of these to around an hour or so. But that's what I wanted to do in this stream, was just go through 
test all the hardware. As you can see, like the basics are there. I've got the servos, it's got two axes of movement. Uh, I've got the camera with MJPEG streamer ready to go, giving me an output uh, that I can send to a web page. I've got the transistor with GPIO that's controlling the laser diode and turning it on and off. Uh, so that's going to give me the control there. So, you know, the, the parts are there. I think the next step is going to be, you know, let's make a local version of this, basically rebuild what I built in the, the um, original show and tell version of this. So just something that runs entirely on my Raspberry Pi, no cloud server yet, nothing like that. Um, get the aiming interface and all of that working. And then in the later streams, let's, let's look at how do we turn this into something that has, you know, a cloud server that runs in front of it that talks down to this local server that controls my hardware and then deals with the whole interface of the, the game or the playtime um, for it. So if folks have questions, throw them into the chat and I will do a quick pass through them. Let me switch to the, the main uh, camera here. So, okay, so let's see what questions we had here. Uh, oh, people want MOSFET to play with this. Uh, it's funny if you go back uh, to that show and tell video, maybe I'll put a link in the description when this goes up on YouTube so you can go watch it again. Uh, but yeah, Lady Ada mentions that uh, she'd like to build one for MOSFET. So maybe one of these days we'll, uh, we'll get one for them. Uh, can laser hurt the cat's eyes? Yeah, it could. I mean, uh, you know, so be careful. Like uh, you might want to use uh, a laser that you scavenge from a cat laser toy. I, don't, I, I can't imagine that those are any different than these little five milliwatt ones. But, you know, again, yeah, don't be stupid. Uh, take all the precautions, um, you know. Obviously, like, you're not going to let this run and let the internet use it without you watching it, I would hope. <laughs> don't do that, at least. Uh, so keep an eye on it. And it is nice in that, you know, if, if you need to, uh, you can just undo the power to the laser and, and turn it off if you need. So um, actually, one thing, too. So let me go back. Uh, that reminded me of something. So... If I go back to the main view, uh, I meant to mention this. So I, I saw a really cool thing uh, from this Pi Image Search, which is an awesome blog. Uh, this guy does great blog posts about OpenCV and image detection. There is a cat face detection algorithm built into the current versions of OpenCV. And it's, it's very similar to the human face detection. You just use a different tra training data set. Uh, and he shows how to use this. This might be maybe a future enhancement. Maybe we'll get to it in this video, but that would be kind of fun if the, the camera could run the cat face detection and maybe it could like alert people like, hey, the cat's here, you know, it's ready to play and people can jump on and start playing. Uh, and maybe it could even like not let you shine the laser right in the cat's eye, you know, could detect their face at least. So I don't know, that could be an option. Um, I'm not totally sure that that would work, but uh, it, it, it could be there. So uh, the fun, funny little thing to think about for this. Um, okay, so back to the questions. Um, let's see. Uh, some questions about the cat's eyes. Um, that is a good question if cats actually can see laser beams or not. You know, can they see that uh, wavelength of light? Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly how cats... If, from what I remember, I remember I saw some uh, Discovery Channel show on cats where... Uh, I don't think cats have great vision, and I don't even think they have good smell, but their hearing is is really, really good. Uh, and, you know, I, I think they, a lot of their other senses kind of compensate for that. Uh, okay, so uh, how many pies have I broken over the years? Uh, boy, knock on wood, I have not completely broken a pie yet. The very first Raspberry Pi that I got... Um, 
the SD card slot, one of the pins broke off of it, but it's enough of it is left that it still works. You just have to be very careful about it. Uh, so that was kind of annoying, uh, but otherwise I, I haven't killed one yet. So uh, I am kind of careful about them. Like, you know, don't just yank the power out, like let them shut down, uh, be nice to your Raspberry Pi and it'll uh, hopefully last a while. Uh, someone was wondering about Android. Um, this probably is not uh, the good stream to look at Android on the Pi. Um, you know, I, I would say check out Reddit, our Raspberry Pi. Lots of people into Android and Raspberry Pi would probably be able to say for sure for there. Um, let's see. Uh, I think some mentioned, oh, the PWM hat is identical as, uh, okay, that's good. So yeah, there's no I, I2, I, I squared C stuff uh, that you need to change for that. Uh, any other questions? Uh, cool. Oh, someone was wondering, is this going to be uploaded somewhere? Yeah. So I will upload this video to youtube.com slash Adafruit. And if you're new, it sounded like we had a lot of viewers, uh, you know, so Adafruit, if you're not familiar with us, uh, we build a lot of cool hardware. So we help make hardware accessible to people, uh, by teaching you, you know, here's how to use Arduino Raspberry Pi and building a lot of accessories like, you know, these servo controllers and things that go along with it. Uh, so check out adafruit.com, that's the main store. Learn.adafruit.com, that's our tutorial site where you can find actually this cat laser tutorial and all kinds of other fun stuff there. Uh, so yeah, go browse around, check it out, see what it looks like. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we have something for everyone at every skill level here. So like, even if you don't even know how to solder yet, like there's projects and things you can do. Whereas if you're like hardcore Lady Ada hacker, uh, you know, pass all your ham radio tests in one go, and uh, do surface mount soldering all day, uh, all for, for fun. There's there's projects there too for that level of skill. So it's, it's uh, worth checking out uh, for this. So uh, where do you gain your electronics modeling knowledge? Um, I would say, uh, you know, look for like books and things. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good recommendations. And uh, if you Google search, I'm sure you'll find like Stack Overflow questions. Like check out some of the intro books. Uh, but at, at some point too, you kind of have to put down the, the reading material and actually just start building things. So, you know, like 50-50 of like, try a project, build something, get your hands dirty, and then also like study a little bit, learn about things. Um, but, you know, make sure to mix a little bit of both because it's, it's hard if you just like try and learn everything and then you realize when you try and actually apply it, like things are a lot different in the practical world. That was a big problem in college where you take all these classes, you learn all this stuff, and then it's like, you know, like your electrical engineering classes, it's like, sure, here's how to apply Kirchhoff's voltage, uh, you know, rules to, uh, to figure out how this circuit's gonna work. And then it's like, oh, here's a bag of parts, make a light blank. Uh, uh, how do I do that? So, you know, sometimes you need to do both, get the practical and the, the knowledge of things, so. Uh, cool. I think that's it as far as the questions go. So this is uh, the live stream. Uh, I, I stream a couple times a week. I do a Monday live stream where I look at interesting software on the Raspberry Pi. So less kind of hardware and programming oriented. Uh, this week I looked at Volumio, Volumio. It's a neat little music distribution for the Raspberry Pi. So you can find that on youtube.com slash Adafruit. The video is up there already or even on Twitch. I think the archive has it. Uh, but I stream things live to Twitch. We have all kinds of other live streams we do. So there's Desk of Lady Ada. There's No and Pedro have like layer by layer and 3D Hangouts. So look for that throughout the week. Uh, now, normally I do on Fridays a live stream like this, like an in-depth stream. And this one's gonna be just the first part in multiple parts. Like I think at least four parts, maybe more for this project. Um, so look for those every Friday. I'm doing this one on Thursday because tomorrow is kind of like a holiday or most people are gonna be gone. So, uh, so I won't be around for that. Uh, and then this coming Monday is also a holiday. It's July 4th. Uh, so have fun celebrating that. Be safe. 
And uh, <clears throat> I'll actually, I won't do a live stream that day. I'm going to do Tuesday. I'll do a quick look. So look for the next stream Tuesday from me. Uh, and then throughout the week, I'm starting to do a third stream, like maybe Circuit Playground related stuff. So look forward to that stuff. Uh, YouTube.com slash Adafruit. That's where you'll find this video archived and all kinds of other fun project videos and things. So subscribe to that. And then like, comment, subscribe. You know, let us know that this is cool stuff. If you have questions, if you have suggestions, especially throw those into the comments and things. Uh, you know, for how you might want to see this project go. Because like I said, I've thought through the basics of this, but I haven't implemented it all. And when, especially when we get to the cloud server part, that's going to be interesting because a lot of that stuff I haven't really done yet. So, uh, you know, we have a chance to maybe shape this and change how this goes. Uh, so, okay, so that's it. So uh, this is Tony from Adafruit. And until next time, I will see you later. So thanks for watching the Cat Laser Project 2.0. This is version, uh, or sorry, this is version 2.0 of it. And I guess I'll end on, I'll play again the original show and tell. This is the second time ever I was on show and tell. This was almost three years ago. This was September 9th, September 7th, 2013. So this is V1 of the Cat Laser Project. And, uh, you know, hopefully after a few more videos in this series, we'll have V2 that everyone, that, that you actually watching right now will hopefully be able to, to come and play with my cat who is still sleeping in the box right now. So I will uh, we'll grab her real fast. <laughs> so hopefully in the future, we'll be able to grab this and, uh, <laughs> and play laser with her. So put her back. All right, so until then, I will play this uh, clip and then we're out of here. So thanks a lot for watching. We're going to speed these up a little bit because yeah. we got a lot of awesome projects. we got a lot of people. All right, it's going to be Tony next. Tony, unmute your mic and show us your project. Hey, yeah. Um, so I've got actually something that's also cat-related, uh, and I'll go through this real quickly. So I made a, a cat toy that's internet-controlled. Uh, <laughs> let me show it to you over here. So basically, I've got uh, – this is a – you can see basically a camera right here, uh, just a simple IP camera uh, you know, that's wireless. Uh, and right here are a couple servos, uh, two servos – that are just mounted at 90 degrees and a laser diode on top of it. So I control uh, the movement of the laser. Uh, and it's all just hooked up to a uh, Raspberry Pi uh, and just the Adafruit servo controller here. Uh, and so it's pointing down at the floor over here, and I've just kind of mapped out an area uh, that it'll aim at. And so let me switch to uh, a web app that it's running Is real quick. Is that a cat in a box? Like, is that a live cat? <laughs> yeah, that's totally her. Uh, we'll see if we can get it to play in a second. <laughs> OK, it's got to hang it out there. <laughs> All right, wow. so this is, wow, you have like an app. <laughs> so this is basically, uh, you know, just showing video from the webcam there. Uh, let me turn the laser on. Uh, and so as, if work I, and you want to like play with your, you want to have a cat video, but it wants to be your cat. Exactly. Yeah, this could be like an internet control. Yeah, I see the dot. I see the dot. Okay. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Oh, I see. Oh, it's play. like little space invaders. Looking, yeah. Her um, yeah, missile totally. command. So you can move it around. So let's see. I'll throw the cat down, and we'll see if... Uh... Shake the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Poor cat. He's like, I'm really enjoying this box. Why? What's going on? Why? Okay. okay. Place the cat. Okay, beta cat. All right, let's the cat's see. ready. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, I don't think she knows this. Oh, Wait, what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is surprising. You could charge for this. This is this is a pretty good game. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty awesome. Your cat's a little lazy, but I, that's yeah. Okay. Well, the cat just woke up, so yeah, your, your cat, your cat. Oh, there oh. it goes. There it goes. <laughs> All 
All right, this has to be a this first. Is, this is definitely either cruel or awesome. I can't, I can't quite tell. E excellent, uh, <laughs> excellent project, Tony. This is this is great. This, um, is, actually, cool. this is actually a fun project. I want to see if we can we can duplicate this project because this I, we have a cat too, and I want to sometimes maybe torture yeah. a cat remotely. Are you gonna um, yeah, uh, be able to? Yeah, I'll send you the details. It's a little rough right now. Um, the aiming's not perfect. You know, it's uh, a little hacked together, but uh, I'll put it on GitHub and uh, send a link over. It's just All pretty right. simple. Phil so, took off his visor because he's like, I'm going to build this for this <laughs> Very so, cool. All, all the known cat owners. Okay, thank you. That was an awesome demo. All right. Cool.